Turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. I was wrestling this week with where to go and what to preach, and was reminded of an account that, a conversation I had several years ago with a coworker of mine about Father's Day. And I was telling him that at the time I was studying for a Father's Day message, and he said something that kind of stuck with me about something that he was told about there was a prison. And in this prison, the administrators, the people in charge of the, of the inmates, gave, gave all the inmates a pink slip piece of paper to allow the inmates to create a card for Mother's Day and if they wish to do so. And they, as, the story, as I recall the story, 95% of the inmates chose to take a piece of paper and create a Mother's Day card for their, for their moms. This, they, they, the administrators of the prison felt this was so successful, they decided to offer the same opportunity for the inmates to do a card for Father's Day. However, only 25% of the inmates took up that opportunity. And I see something extremely incomplete, something very wrong with that picture. I don't know what statistics, I didn't go back and check them out to see what they say current in current days, but how many, to show how many fathers there are in American homes. But I don't think it would be a very good statistic. And if there are a father, in, if there is a father in a home, is he active? Is he actually taking his God-given role as to be the man of the house? But if you think about that story of, that, of the Father's Day cards and the Mother's Day cards from those inmates, and if that is indeed true, and I believe it's, I believe it's a fair representation of, 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 that, of, of inmates, that only 25% of the inmates wanted to make a card for their dad, where are the fathers of the other 75%? I didn't check this out either, but I believe that homes without a father either in them, present or active in the home, have statistically much bigger problems. They have more children in trouble. They have more of their, of their children end up in prison. And if you follow the trends, you'll see where there, there is upside-down rules in the home or where the father is not active in the home, or where he's missing completely out of the picture, you'll see the trends of the broken family situations continuing. Today's not Father's Day, but one of the classes that I took at SMBI here a few weeks ago made me ask this question, where are the fathers? Where are the men? And I asked even a little bit more of a demanding question, where are the men who are supposed to be the fathers? And then I asked myself, where are the godly men who are, who are called to be the role models in their homes? And I thought of this verse in Ezekiel 22, verse 30. And Ezekiel wrote, and this is God speaking through Ezekiel about the children of Israel. And I sought for a man among them that should take up, make up the hedge, and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. And the verse isn't done. But I found none. Ezekiel was saying some pretty disturbing things about the nation of Israel in this chapter. And, and some of the passages, some of the verses surrounding this chapter. But in this chapter, we, we, we see 
And we need to remember that Israel, as God's chosen nation, was they were to be living in such a way that they were showing the rest of the world what it was to be like to live as a theocracy with God at their, at their head and leading them. But Israel blew it. They were living in sin. And I didn't go back and check timelines out for, to, to, to back up my next statement here, but I believe this is after they had returned from captivity. They had so soon resorted into the sins that had led them into the captivity to begin with. So in chapter 22, Ezekiel is laying out those sins. They had despised God's holy things. They had dishonored their parents. They had defiled themselves in immorality and they overall had forgotten God. The God who, had, who wanted to lead them, he had taken them into captivity, but he was gracious enough to bring them back out of captivity. And they have forgotten him. Even the priests... He talks about the very people who were supposed to be instructing the people in the word of God and to teach them how to live in holiness with God had failed. They had violated God's law. And Ezekiel paints a very bad negative picture. And he also brings, there's a couple different phrases about that. He prophesied about God's judgment. He says, I will pour out my judgment. Ye shall be melted in a furnace. Ye are all become dross. Dross is the, the waste, the byproduct, the useless part of the melting down of iron and ore. Today, too many times, it seems like verse 30 is a sad summary of, of this chapter. God sought for a man. God, and I, I feel, it, it seems like God is really, you hear the yearning in that, vo- in that verse of the heart of God. He sought for a man, a godly man, a man who would live for him, a man who would be willing to stand in the gap where God had placed him, a man who would be there to teach the people, teach his children about the things of God, to show them the way to holiness. And the mental picture I have here is that of a man who has completely turned his heart, his soul, his mind, his life over to God, and he's willing to make a difference in the lives of his family, his community, and his church. God longed to find such a man. And he was looking for such a man in the nation of Israel, so he didn't need to destroy the nation of Israel. At the end of the verse, I think it's some of the saddest verses in Scripture. But I found none. Where are you as fathers in the homes today? If you're a father... Are you standing in the gap? Are you being the godly man that he needs you to be to nurture your children into the godly men and women that God, it, that God can use so that they too can continue to make up the hedge and to stand in the gap? You might be in the home, but are you engaged in your home? Are you one of the 75% that is not? So the message this morning is to reinforce the importance of godly fathers who are willing to take up the calling God has placed on them and to stand in the gap for the Lord. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I want this message to be more, while it's geared toward fathers, I, I want us, us as men to realize who we need to be. My first point is that a faithful follow, father is an example of what it means to be a man of faith. Turn to Psalm chapter Psalm 22. 
A faithful father is an example of what it means to be a man of faith. Psalm 22, verses 4 and 5, with the psalmist saying here, Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. Faith is meant to be passed on from generation to generation through example. I'm not trying to give the impression that our children can, can ride into heaven on our faith, but rather the example part. By how I serve God today, by how I please God and live it out, that's how I show the next generation the importance of serving God so that they are equipped to live out, to live for God by faith. These verses here in, in Psalm 22, the two we read, David is looking back at his forefathers and how they had trusted God. And he, had saw, he saw how that had worked for them. And as he's going through his life in this moment of his life, he's longing for that same kind of faith. He's leaning on their example. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I remember when I was at Heritage Bible School, there's a song entitled Quit You Like Men that comes out of this verse. And it took me a bit to realize what this, what this verse was referring to. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Our families need men who have both a knowledge of God and his word that in turn builds convictions in their lives to follow that word in every area of their life that translates into their children taking up the same baton. This verse here, Paul uses some very descriptive words. Watch ye has the idea of someone that's paying attention, someone who's standing guard, who's watching what's coming into the home and, and, and guarding against things that are going to be detrimental. Stand fast in the faith. A man of God is a man of faith who is not afraid to live that faith before the world and especially before his children. And that's a 24-7 deal. Quit you like men. This is not talking about us men having to quit, but rather is the idea of acting like a man. Quit you like men. It's the idea of act the man. Be the man. Be who God made you to be. And then he finishes up that verse with be strong. Remember, our strength has to come from the Lord. We can be strong in that. The first part of 1 Kings 22.43 talks about the example of Jehoshaphat. And we need men like Jehoshaphat. And that verse, uh, beginning part of the verse says, And he walked in all the ways of Asa his father. He turned not aside from it, doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. The story is told of a pastor who saw a father dropping off his teenage son to go to church. And then the father went, uh, was going to go golfing. This pastor could hear the boy complaining about having to go to church. And his father answered, well, my dad took me to church and dropped me off every Sunday. And he said, you're going to do that as well. And to which the boy replied, well, it doesn't look like it's doing you any good. Some research that I came across that shows that parents have a significant impact on the religious beliefs and practices of their children. There was a study that found that fathers 
who frequented, frequently attended church over three times a month and discussed these things at home and are committed to their religion are going to have sons who follow the same behavior. Interestingly, in that same study, fathers who did not do these, those three things, who did not attend church and did not discuss these things at home and were not committed to their religion, their children developed an inconsistent pattern in, the, in how they lived it out. So a good father is going to lead his home by living out his faith. The second thing I want to look at is a godly father exhibits purity and holiness. Paul talks in 1 Timothy 2, verse 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Men, this needs to be in the forefront of our mind that one of the prerequisites of a relationship with God, a healthy relationship, healthy spiritual relationship with God, is that of purity and holiness. God demands through his word, through his character, that his people live in purity in everything we say and see and think and do. And if you want your children to follow after you, you need to be living this out. God is looking for a few men, few good men to stand in the gap. Men who are not afraid to live holy lives and follow God's word. Can we expect our children and our grandchildren to be living holy and pure before God if we ourselves are not following God's expectations of holy living? And so there's going to have to be some boundaries that are going to need to be set to keep us from impurity. There's going to be some places where a godly man is not going to go. There's going to be things that a godly man will not do because he knows that in order to lead his children, his example is critical to their future. Turn with me to Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. I'm going to look at the last book of the Old Testament, the last chapter of the Old Testament, and the last two verses. Second to last two verses. It is the last two verses. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold... I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Do you see what's going on here? Is a godly father, there's a, there's a father-child relationship. Someone has said, when the father is right, the children are going to be right. When the children are right, the home will be right. And when the home is right, the nation is right. And put that in reverse in a negative sense so we can see how, how the, when the, you know, right now we're looking at a nation who has gone woke against the things of God. They brought all kinds of devious things in and worshiped the God of human, humanism. Do what you want. Trickle that backwards and you're going to come back to homes that don't have a father and fathers who are not living a, out an example of purity and holiness. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The just man walketh in his iniquity, and his children are blessed after him. I think the greatest need for the whole world, apart from salvation, is that for holy men. 
men in the home, men in the church, men who will not be bought or sold, men who will recognize sin for what it is and call it that and refuse to be entrapped in, it, in, in its tentacles, men who will stand for the right when others do not. And it doesn't take much looking around for us to see men and fathers who are selling themselves for sin's pleasures with scarcely a thought or care the effects that that example is leaving for their children. Men, are we taking the necessary steps today to live pure and holy lives before God? It's not just for your own soul, but it's also for the sake of your children's souls as well. So a godly man exhibits purity and holiness. My third point is that of an, that an active father establishes boundaries. The verse I'm going to go to here is Proverbs 22:28, where it says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Now, this passage may be referring more toward physical land boundaries, but I think there's an application here that we can apply to boundaries in, in our own lives and in our, in our homes as well. There are too many children who are growing up and never see their parents establish boundaries for their actions. Too many times, and it doesn't, here again, it doesn't take us much looking around. We see disobedience met with apathy, not with clear discipline and consequences. Contrary to popular opinion, boundaries establish safety nets for children to be able to function and grow in safety and security. Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And how shameful it is to see a child, 8, 10, 12 years old, throwing a, a, a hissy fit in the grocery aisle because they couldn't get what they wanted or, or other places. How shameful it is when a child is rebellious. And I believe many times, most times, it goes back to the lack of training, the lack of boundaries that were established or not established in the home. A number of years ago, Focus in the Family talked about a study and some school children I found very fascinating. There was a group of educators decided to remove the chain link fence from around the school playgrounds. They, they felt that the fence was promoting the ideas of confinement and restraint. They removed the fence and curiously they found Without the fence, the children huddled in the center of the playground. And their conclusion was is that children need boundaries. I'm going to make a statement here that's pretty bold, but every parent who truly loves their children is going to establish some rules because it's for their good. Boundaries, rules, guidelines, whatever you want to call them, they're for our good and for the good of those around us. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but what? Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Men, and I'm, I'm talking to, to, to men, but to, but to fathers, and if you're not a father, establish who you are in God now, so that if God allows you to be a father, you are equipped. But when a father establishes boundaries, he is strengthening his children's 
character. You see, our children need to know the difference between right and wrong. They need to know that God has a different law than the world. They need to know there's a difference between what the world says is okay and what God says is okay. They need to know about the omnipotent, the omniscient, the omnipresent and unchanging God who has given us the proper standard of conduct in which to live by. Our our children need to understand that keeping God's commandments and standards invites his blessing. At the same time, they need to know that violating those commandments brings his discipline. And sometimes it's hard, but sometimes we need to just say no. They don't need to have everything they want. They don't need to have go any, anywhere they please. They don't need to do anything they want. In fact, it's not healthy for them. It's what you get in prisons when there's no boundaries. But in order to teach these things, fathers, men, we need to step up to the plate. We need to stand in the gap. We need to set some boundaries. <clears throat> God did this with the law, and think this thing through. God's law provided a boundary between right and wrong, between evil and righteousness, and between holy and unholy. And that boundary then leads us to know that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Remove that boundary, remove those commands, and we won't know that we need a Savior. And those boundaries then cause us, because we know we're we're astray from God, to cause us to seek redemption so that we can enter back into a relationship with God. We see the importance of this in teaching our children. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Fathers, are we training our children in the way that they should go? It's going to mean a lot of hard work. It's going to mean setting some boundaries. And those boundaries are hard to make at times. And sometimes, fathers, you may not know exactly where to place them, but be there and and attempt to make some boundaries. It's for our children's good and for society's good, for our family's good, for our church's good. And uh, just look around at society and how the lack of those boundaries has been so detrimental. My fourth point this morning is that an engaged father educates his children in the way of the Lord. Let's go to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 11. It says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The picture I get here is of, a, of, of the psalmist as a father. Most likely he's talking to, to his, his readers, but I, I see, in my mind, I see him talking to his children. Come, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The Amplified Bible reads it, the last part of the, that phrase there. I will teach you to revere and worshipfully fear the Lord. And so as fathers in the home... Are we teaching our children to love and fear the Lord? Let's go to Psalm 78 and look at verses 1 to 4. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. 
I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Kind of goes hand in hand with our Sunday school lesson this morning about traditions. There's things that are important, there are things that are valuable. Are we teaching those things in the whys and the hows of, how, of, of those traditions to our children? We have heard and known, our fathers have told us. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 4. And this is a verse that was brought out to me in a new way in the class we had taken, my wife and I had taken at SMBI um, here a couple weeks ago. And I never really knew what it meant until the, it was Brother Frank Reed actually was talking about this verse here. And he brought out a thought here, and I want to share, attempt to share you the, the thought that he gave. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, ye have, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten, begotten you through the gospel. For you, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, what is, that, what is he referring to here? 10,000 instructors gives the idea of teachers teaching knowledge. It's a brain-to-brain -brain instruction. It's simply a transfer of knowledge, transfer of information, teachers. Paul says, even though you have these 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have this knowledge, you have this information, yet you don't have many fathers. There's a lack of a relationship here. The instructors are not the same level of, of relationship as fathers need to be. Fathers, we need to be teaching, absolutely. But as we instruct, we need to be having a relationship and living it out by example. It needs to be heart-to-heart -heart with our children. It's not simply just a transfer of knowledge and information. It's about example. It's about relationship. It's about godly leadership. Too many times we see people, particularly like politicians who they're, they're, they lead by do as I say, not as I do. Our teaching should always include follow my example. We know the saying that says more is caught than taught. Our actions speak louder than our words. And this needs to be true as we're teaching our children as we're developing relationships with our children. The example we live is going to have more influence on our children than what we actually say. I'm not saying don't say, don't talk. I'm saying live it out. The two have to go together. We say, we talk, we teach. That is teaching. It's passing on the information. And then we do the living it out, the being the example. We're still teaching. There was a mother who was under deep conviction for several days that shared about her conversion at a prayer meeting one day. She said at that meeting that the night before, her little girl had come to her and said, Mama, are you a Christian? And the mother replied, No, I'm not. The little girl walked off. Her mother heard her say, Well, if Mama isn't a Christian, I don't want to be one either. Mother said that statement pierced her heart, and she immediately gave herself to Christ. She realized the impact that her example was leaving with her daughter. 
Do we see the importance of teaching our children the ways of God and living it out as an example? Men, fathers, teach your children the ways of God. Lead out at home. When I was working at Woodtex, I was in a leadership position there. I was leadership at church, and I was supposed to be the leadership at home. But home is where I backed off the quickest. And that can't be. So lead out at home. Be the man that God has called you. Be the father that God has called you to be. Develop and maintain a daily devotional time. This is hard. I'm not going to gloss it over and say that it's easy. It's not. At different times of life, it gets even harder to maintain that. Pray with your children. Lead out in prayer. Not just at mealtime, but devotional time, bedtime, other events that come up in life. I remember a time when I lost my glasses in the snow and mom said, hey, let's pray. And we opened our eyes and found them. I've never forgotten it. As you work, show them the ways of God. Take advantage of good teachable moments to demonstrate God's word in real life. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let's read what God was instructing the children of Israel through Moses. Deuteronomy 6, verses 7 to 9. And as we read these verses here, replace the word thou with father. And them with God's word. And thou, fathers, shall teach them God's word diligently unto thy children, and shall talk of them God's word when thou, the Father, sittest in thine house, and when thou, fathers, walkest by the way, and when thou, fathers, liest down, and when thou, fathers, risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and, thou sh- and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house and on thy gates. Remember, the number one goal of a father is to point his children to Jesus Christ. And I believe that's the point that Moses is trying to impress on, his, on the people, his readers, to teaching the children about the things of God, of how God's standard needs to be lived out. Every aspect of life can and must be used to teach about God. Remember, we are pointing our children in the right direction. My last point is that of an effective father must have a vision. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2. In verse 2, an effective father must have a vision. Habakkuk 2, verse 2, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. Short verse, but I see a lot of truth and a lot of And a very powerful message here. God's telling Habakkuk, write the vision or present it so others can see it. The word vision here is the idea of a revelation. It's the concept. It's an idea. It's the the fleshing out of the explanations. Habakkuk was commanded by God to write his vision or this revelation of God's word. He was to make it plain. His words were to be clear and legible so that even a runner going by could read it. My mind went to Cam's billboard evangelism 
program. Those billboards, they're huge. They're on the side. When you come through Dundee and on, a, on the side of Burkholder's Barn up here, there's a big sign there. I see it every day going to and from work. I can read it. People are going 65, 70 mile an hour down the highway, and they're looking up, and they see the sign. They see the revelation that's written on it. And the phone number is big enough that they can read it. Is that the vision that we have in our, in, our, in our families? Fathers, do we have that type of vision that our children are reading the revelation, the vision that we have for them? The success of our families demands vision. Now, some of us are more visionary, built and designed by God than others. But every father, every man needs to have a vision of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with our children. We need to have the vision to live out and to teach our children. It needs to be clear. It needs to be plain for them to see. And there's many, many ways that you can flesh this out. And, we're all gonna, and we could all have some different methods of establishing that vision. And establishing and keeping that vision, is part of it is simply just living it out. Very important. Fathers, as the leaders in the home, it is your responsibility to establish and promote and teach the vision of godliness. Remember, your children's spiritual success is at stake. They must be taught the way of God. And that's going to take some effort and some vision. It needs to be clear. And so be faithful in that responsibility. Turn to Matthew 6, verse 33. As I close this out, my mind went to this verse because... In order to fulfill our responsibility as fathers, we need to have our number one priority, objective, of serving the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the verse doesn't stop there, but it goes on and says, And all these things shall be added unto you. Fill in the blank of what all these things mean. The father's goal is realized as he's willing to step up to stand in the hedges, to stand in the gaps, because he desires his children to be godly as they grow up. Men, seek God's kingdom, seek his glory, seek his righteousness, hope in the eternal, live for his great reward, and with this goal, through God's power, I believe you can be the godly man and the godly father that you need to be. Let's kneel for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing your word to us. Thank you for giving us a code of conduct, a standard of living that we are to live by. Lord, you know our families and our churches, our communities need men who are willing to stand for what you have established. Lord, we know the pressures around us that can make us feel like we're weak and helpless as we go through life. The task of teaching and raising our children looks overwhelming at times, but Lord, help us to come back to you and to live faithfully for you and to establish ourselves firmly in, in, in your principles. 
As we go through life, we may not do it perfectly, but to live it out as a godly example to our children. Thank you for Jesus and what he's did on the cross that when we fail, we can find repentance, we can find reconciliation. Lord, just bless each one of the fathers here this morning as they are. May they be engaged and active in their homes. May they be the proper husband and the proper father. And Lord, the areas where they feel weak, give them strength. Give them the courage that they can, as, as, as you reveal the gaps in the hedges about them, that they may stand in those gaps and be the, uh, the light that brings their children to you.